following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Well, good morning again, everybody. We are so glad you're here today, and um, trust that God has a, uh, a, great, a great message for us today, and not because I do, because I don't, but I think His Word does. He's got His Word's full of all kinds of amazing, rich things, and, and one of the things in His Word that really blows me away is um, the promises of God, and um, the thing about the promises of God, you got to believe in them first. If you don't believe in God's promises, they don't have any effect. But if you believe in the promises of God by faith, God makes all kinds of offers in his word because he loves us. He says, I offer you this, and if you do this, I will do that. And it's throughout the word of God. And one of the coolest ones that, that I really like, and we've been doing a, we're doing a four-week series on it, um, is in Matthew chapter 6, and you guys are familiar with the, the theme you've probably heard before, that if you, if you are willing to seek God first, his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things are going to be given to you. All the things you worry about, all the things that stress you out, all the things that keep us up at night sometimes thinking about things, and if we're honest, there's stuff in life that we worry about. Is this going to happen, and what about this? God is saying, listen, I see your worry, and I have a solution. And if you put me first, God is saying this, if you put me first, I'm gonna give you the desires of your heart. I'm gonna give you all these things that you need. I see what you need before you even ask for it, and I will will give it for you. Matthew uh, 6.33, I believe we have it for up here. The IV says, "But but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Last week, we unpacked that passage in in its context, but I love what the New Living Translation, the way it phrases uh, this same verse. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, which we're focusing on today, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That is a tall order. That is an amazing, amazing promise. But we have a big God. You have to believe that God sees everything you need And you have to believe that he sees what we stress about, what we worry about, what we're concerned about. And by the way, those worries rip us off from the the journey of faith that God has us on. We're, We're supposed to be walking by faith. And when these worries come up in our life, we start to doubt, we start to pull back, we start to pull alongside the road and go, you know, what about this and what about that? We start to worry, stay up at night. And God is saying, listen, put me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, I'm going to handle everything you need. I see what you need. I got you covered. You got to believe it. It's an amazing promise. We're going to unpack this this week. Last week, the quick recap, we looked at the portion of this that said, seek first God. Seek first God. There's God's kingdom, which we'll look at next week. Today is righteousness. And then we'll talk about all the kind of desires that God is willing to give his people, which is amazing because sometimes our desires, we need to focus on where these desires come from and which ones are rewardable and blessable. And we're going to unpack that. It'll be really cool. But last week we looked at seeking God first. And one of the first things we said about seeking God first is that if God becomes first, and in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, he starts out with me first. I'm the Lord your God no other gods besides me. I'm, I gotta be number one. Can't even start growing and understanding anything about God until we put him first. The commandments are written that way. And we said, if God is first, that means we have to be second. And that choice of becoming second is where life begins. I remember looking back at my life, acknowledging the, the, the reality of God, the existence of God, but actually becoming second, I didn't wanna do that. Did you guys ever struggle with that, saying, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to do that? Yeah? It, it's like I'm giving up this place of steering my life, my ship, my direction, being you know, the, the captain of my, my, my uh, destiny, so to speak, and realizing, actually, God, you're the mighty, powerful, loving one. You see it all, and I don't. I'm going to come underneath you. Put you first, God and then I'm going to be second. And that's really where life begins. And we looked at that last week about God's first, we're second, and we also talked about no other gods, which means no other gods or idols for us to check our lives if God is really first, 
and we have to really do an inventory in our lives about what things we're starting to elevate and start to really, really, really like. And there's certain things, not hobbies, but there's certain things that we start to really elevate and they start to get up there close to God. And the way you can check in your own life, the Bible says where your, treasure, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. In other words, where you spend a lot of your time and your heart thinking about, focus on, wherever your focus is, your attention is, your, your hours are, well, that's where your heart is too. And that's one thing we have to check. God first, seek God first, put everything else in check. But today, today we're talking about this big word, righteousness, because it is saying that if we seek God first and we seek his righteousness, that he's gonna do all these things for us. So it warrants the question, what does this mean to seek God's righteousness? And we're not gonna look at this from the Old Testament context. In the Old Testament, people were trying to be right before God and do all these things according to the law just to simply be right before God. We know Jesus paid a price for us and the Bible says that righteousness has been imparted to us, that, that we can now stand before God because of what Jesus did. But when you look at righteousness, seek first righteousness, it means to seek God's right path, to seek God's right direction. Like life has these pathways, these directions, these, these different journeys that we can take, and you and I have to say, which one am I gonna go on? And every day these come up in your life, whether you're not a believer or whether you're a believer, these journey, this pathway comes up, and we have to decide, are we going left or are we going right? And, and righteousness suggests seeking, choosing to discover and take God's right path in our life, the right way of doing things, to live right before God and keeping God first by choosing to do right things. And there's an on, every day we have these choices. So every day you and I get to, if we want, check in with God and say, God, I wanna keep you first what is the right path and constantly make choices and decisions to walk in what the Bible would say is, is righteousness. And so um, one scripture we have is pretty cool. Uh, the main one we're gonna be looking at today, you can turn your Bible and camp out there if you want, 2 Corinthians 5. But I wanna hit on a few things to set this up because it helps us understand what righteousness is all about, what's our place in it, how do we actually discover what's righteous, how do we walk it out? I mean, what's at stake here because... If we do, God is saying he will give you everything you need. Not everything you want, everything you need. And that's God's promise to us. So I think our obligation is to discover what it means to seek God first and to seek his righteousness. Um, Proverbs 14, 12, um, I just want to build on a few of these, um, says this. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. And there's a ton of other scriptures in the Bible about man's ways seeming right to him. Uh, the Bible is loaded with scriptures of people going, yeah, well, to me, I think this is the way to go, so I'm just gonna take it. Not checking with God and ended up far outside of God's will, God's favor, and God's blessing. And then there's, the Bible's full of other people saying, God, I wanna check in with you on your way and your will and your direction, and then God honoring and blessing them. But there is a way that seems right to man, but ends, uh, the end is the way of death. It's interesting that people have their own version. We all have our own view of what right is or what right should be. And I would suggest to you that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, he knows better than we do. How many of you guys have heard that God way, God's ways are higher than ours as the heavens are above the earth? I mean, on a whole different league. So, for you and I to think we know what's right and not check in is a pretty reckless way to live. But to say, God, you know all, you see all. I don't know all, but I wanna check with you on what right paths are. I wanna see which path will honor you because I wanna walk in your will and walk in your favor. And, and so this is what it's about. But there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is the way of death. So there's a lot of folks all day long, all over this world, just picking their own way on what they think is right. And I think the Bible's got a little different... Uh, narrative of that. Um, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the early, early days when people were starting to sail ships. They'd get on these boats and they'd hoist up a sail and they'd say, let's go off on an adventure and try to find something. 
And they'd go out looking for things to, to either gold or they'd look for, you know, things to trade. And they'd, they'd go out into these uncharted territories. But when you look at the early days of people getting on a boat and taking off on a journey, a quest, there were many, many people that went on these journeys and many didn't come back. They went on a journey and many did not come back. And the reason they didn't come back is many got lost at sea and got caught up in things they had no idea what was out there. It was uncharted. It was uncharted. And some would get caught up in a storm and blown off course and not really know where they are and keep going in the wrong direction sometimes and end up out of supplies. I mean, there was a lot of tragedies in the early days of navigating the seas. And then it was discovered, wait a second, looking up at the sky, God gave us these stars, specifically this North Star. And this North Star, it's bright that even on a night that's not so clear, the North Star is the one you see. And when you see the North Star, they realize, wait a second, now we know which way is north. Even if we went through a storm and got spun out and we've been in under the clouds for a week, after it's all cleared, there it is. There is north. And now that we know where north is, we can determine what is east and what is west. We know where we're going again. I think that's the same in our lives as well, that we can go through storms, we can get blown off course, and if we don't have something to aim at and say, there it is, there is north, because that's north, I know where I am in relation to it. A lot of folks go through life not checking in with true north or not checking in with the living God to see where they are in relationship. A lot of folks do what this passage says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. They're like, I don't need to check, I'm good. I'm doing my own thing here. And many get shipwrecked and lost at sea. But I think what this, this uh, illustration is, tr- is trying to say that God has given us a true north. He's given us the word of God as, his, as our roadmap. And he's given us the spirit of God as a compass. And between the roadmap and the compass of the Holy Spirit, we can navigate anything. We can go through stormy times We can go through turbulence. We can go through dark clouds. But at the end of the day, we have the word and we have the spirit and we can navigate the right way to go. Righteousness is available to us. The right path to take is available to us through through the word and the spirit. Um, Deuteronomy 30, and you don't have to turn there. I just want to share this with you because this, again, explains God's heart for his people that he loves so much that he's saying, look, the, the roadway is right there. There's these paths in front of you. Every day you have these paths. I'm behind one that I really, I'm telling you to aim for. And that's not whether you're going to In-N-Out or McDonald's for lunch. Not those kind of things. You can ask God if you want. Maybe you got a cholesterol issue and God will lead you on that. But I don't think God is so concerned about that kind of stuff. But there's plenty of big things that God is very concerned about. Your life, where you spend your time, who you're with, who you're influencing, you know, the, the, the people he put around you and the opportunities you have every day. God is very concerned with all of these things, our stewardship. And so every day we have these pathways. And, and Deuteronomy 30 uh, verse 19 explains it really, really well. I love this. It, it should be like a thesis statement of our lives. But it says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, this day I call the heavens and the earth. Let me just set this up. All Israel's hanging out with Moses, looking at two big mountains, clear as day to everyone. God's like, you get the picture? There's two different destinations here, two different pathways of getting there. And he says, this day I call the heaven and the earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. In other words, there are two different paths and they're right before you. They're set before you and you get to choose because we're agents of free will. We can do anything we want to do. We're agents of free will. We'll have to give an answer for it later, but we have free will. We can do anything we want to do. No one's making us do things. We're agents of free will. And God's saying, there's two paths, but here's a hint. Choose life. If you choose life, There's life for you, there's life for your family, there's life for those around you. There's blessings in my path. It's the right path. It's the path of righteousness. And if you choose righteousness, you're choosing life. And this theme runs throughout the Bible, including today's passage, where we're told if we we seek God and his righteousness, that he's gonna give us everything we need. 
And so that's really important. Hey, if you're a note taker today, we're going to be looking at seven uh, key things. If you're a note taker, you might want to jot some of these down. But the first one is this, is that godly choices result in God's blessings. Godly choices result in God's blessings. He promises it again and again and again and again. If you make the right choice, if you check with me and do the God-honoring thing, I am going to bless you. And that's important because we're not all entitled to every one of God's blessings. When you say yes to Jesus, heaven becomes a reality. You know, uh, our sins are forgiven and we have a hope and a future. But that doesn't mean we get every single blessing that God has available. Uh, It means that if we walk in these things, there's a blessability. Uh, The Bible says, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. There's a thing about seeking God, pursuing God, taking God's path, and God blessing us as a result of it. And so godly choices do result in God's blessing. Um, When we think of blessed are those, blessed, suggest happy, but almost an endowment of God's grace, a a, a blessing, a, a, a God's grace upon you for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, the thing about that statement, it's not suggesting taking the right path because this is something we need to do. It's talking about taking the right path because we really want to do it. To hunger and thirst righteousness is like, God, I really want to please you. And I know you've been like me sometimes where you have to do something and the choice is before you and like, yeah, I got to do the right thing here. And it's hard, right? Have you guys done that? It's like, it's the right thing to do. Uh, It's hard. It's a hard thing to do, but here it goes. Do the right thing. Okay, that's still good. It's still doing the right thing. That honors God. But there's a better way. The better way is to hunger and thirst righteousness. To say, this is the right thing and I want to do it. I'm hungry to do the things that please you, God. I'm thirsty to do your will, O God. And when we do that, again, the Bible promises blessing for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which I think is really amazing. So if you held your hand in that passage, 2 Corinthians 5, we want to look at this passage. It's going to show us more about righteousness what God says about us, where we fit in with this righteousness thing, and how we can walk out, I believe, God's presentation of, of righteousness for us here. Um, so if you have that, it's 2 Corinthians chapter on your phone or device or whatever. Uh, it says this as we seek what is right. It says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you as on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is an amazing passage. Um, It starts out saying, because of what Jesus did, if you get in on his provision, we no longer live for ourselves, we live for God. We talked about that earlier where we're not first anymore, God's first. At some point, it's the wisest decision you can make. If you haven't made it yet, I encourage you to make it today. Don't wait any longer. God is king, the ruler of the universe, not us. The first step is we no longer live for ourselves, we live for God. God is first, I am second. And it goes on to say that Jesus paid for our sins to restore us in right relationship with God, which really makes us a new creation, which is pretty profound. And we can talk about that in depth, although we don't have time today, the the substance and nature of the new creation that we are because of what Jesus did. We are the new creation. But this begins to explain it. And you might want to underline it in your Bible because it's pretty profound. It describes the new creation that we are. It describes the way God sees us. I think it describes our mission, our purpose, and so many things. It says that we 
are the righteousness of God. You and I are the righteousness of God. Now, that is a really broad statement to say that you and I are the righteousness of God, but this passage is saying God has done all these things here to put us in right relationship with him and give us a ministry, and we are being called the righteousness of God. I want you to hold on to that thought because I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself or you thought of the family of believers as the righteousness of God, but it matters monumentally because God has an expectation of us as the righteousness of God. This says that we represent God based on righteousness. We are the righteousness of God, not our own righteousness. We are the righteousness of God. In other words, God is imparting right things to us, right ways. We have his word, we have his spirit, we represent him down here on planet earth. The Bible is saying that we are the righteousness of God. And according to God, righteousness doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Righteousness doesn't change. So what God calls good is good. What God says is not good is not good. Righteousness doesn't change, but people change all the time. Cultures change all the time, but God doesn't change. And this is important because you and I are the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. God, it says in this passage, is making his appeal through us. God, the living God, creator of the universe, has an appeal to make. Our understanding of an appeal, if you go through some case or something, a lawyer represents you and says, Your Honor, we're back today to redo this for this reason, and there's an appeal, there's a presentation, there's an offering, there's a, there's a presentation of truth. And in this passage here, it's saying God is making his appeal through us. Literally, God Almighty making appeal, an appeal to society through you and I. It also says that we are ambassadors, which means sent by God. You don't send, some, no one goes over to China on, on a trip and says, yeah, the president wants you to know uh, a, B, C, D, E, F, G. They, they can't do that. But if we make them an ambassador and we give them the authority to say you can represent our government as a sovereign state, you represent us in relation to that nation, you go, you are the ambassador. And that person goes with obligations and privileges and entitled to certain um, uh, you know, allowances to go over and negotiate or to share or to share a position of who we are. Well, God is saying, that's who you are. This morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's saying, you're my ambassador. And listen, you're my ambassador because I want to make an appeal through you. And if I can explain the appeal, God would say it has to do with two things. It has to do with this ministry of reconciliation. You've been reconciled to me. There's a lot of other folks that need to be reconciled to me. I'm making my appeal through you. As an ambassador, help folks Get reconciled to God. That's your mission. That's your aim. That's, your, that's God's will for your life. But at the same time, you are God's righteousness. We are God's righteousness, which is pretty profound. Um, you know, when you, when you think about being God's righteousness, that is suggesting that we are representing God in this land. A lot of times you'll turn on the news and you'll see people with two completely different positions. Sometimes there's, you know, crazy different uh, opinions. And, and, and you look, look at the newspaper, there's different views and different opinions. Uh, sometimes Christians are viewed as having uh, some opinion that culture, it, it's not popular in modern culture. Can you guys relate to what I'm talking about? Okay, the Bible is saying it's not your opinion. The Bible is saying you are the righteousness of God. The Bible is saying you are an ambassador for Christ. The Bible is saying there's a way that seems right to people but ends in death, but you are the righteousness of God. So we are called to share God's opinion and position as an ambassador for righteousness. It's not about making up our own. Sometimes people will ask me, well, where are you at on this issue? You know, and they'll bring up one of these hot button issues. And I'll say, you know, we got to frame it differently because it's not about where I am or where you are. (laughs) It's kind of irrelevant where you are or I am. Where is God on the position? Where's God on the issue? What's God's heart? Because as believers, we are called to be the righteousness of God and represent him 
as ambassadors regarding what God says is right. Does that make sense? Right is right if God says it's right. And the thing about this, it seems to be this, what's your opinion, what's your view, or, oh, you guys believe that. It's like, it shouldn't be this, like, all over, you guys think that, or what do you think, or how do you feel? And that's what everyone's asking. How do you feel? What do you think? At the end of the day, does it really matter? What matters is what is God Almighty, the lover of your soul, the creator of the universe, what does he say? Because he's the one that's sending you and me out as ambassadors to represent him as his righteousness. And we don't go out as an ambassador to go, can you imagine us sending an ambassador to China and say, whatever you feel, just go ahead and tell them. <laughs> just make it up. Go for it. No, he's given, a, he's given some guidelines. He's given some parameters. He's, he's led into the inner room of this is where we're at. Go tell them. Go share and see where they're at. Send an ambassador. As ambassadors, we don't get to just wing it. We don't get to just make stuff up. We get with God. We seek him first. And then we seek his righteousness to walk in ways that are right. And we get to be the righteousness of God. Um, this passage says something, and it, and it, and it um, in fact, why don't you, if you guys are note takers, take down the second note. But um, there's something really cool going on here too, guys. Uh, the second point is this, is we seek righteousness by representing Jesus. Literally, when you and I are in the workplace, and everyone might be thinking this, and you're standing for right, we seek righteousness by standing and representing Jesus. And you might wonder, you know, what does it actually look like to seek righteousness by being that ambassador that God says that you are? You already are God's righteousness. In the workplace, at the family you know, table, whatever it is, you already are God's righteousness. So just be who you are. Be who God says you are. Don't try to be something we're not. Just be who God says you are. You're an ambassador you are God's righteousness. Second point is we seek righteousness to, uh, by representing Jesus. Um, you know, when I was reading this, uh, there's a verse that jumped out at me um, in a big way. And you guys might want to underline it in your Bible, verse 16. When I was reading this, I really sensed the Spirit tell me this is a word for the church this morning. And, and, and it's, a, it's kind of in context to what we're saying, but... Um, Verse 16, it says this, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, there's a lot at stake here. From now on, I believe the Spirit is telling us this morning, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. As you're driving into work and you run into certain people and you have family, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have believers, other friends at church, we tend to view people somehow just naturally view people. This is my immediate family. This is the family of believers. These are coworkers. Those are neighbors I never talk to or people on a different floor. And that guy there, you know, and we tend to just do this in our own mind. We don't plan this stuff. It just kind of happens. And we kind of tend to put people in categories for some reason. We don't plan on it. It's just natural. And I think what the Lord is telling us, since you're an ambassador for me, don't look with your eyes anymore. You cannot look with your eyes anymore. You need to seek me first and look with my eyes. Because from now on, if you're going to be the righteousness of God, and if you're going to be an ambassador for me, if you're going to be a minister of this gospel of reconciliation that I'm calling you to, if you want to walk out this righteousness, then you cannot view or regard other people from a worldly point of view anymore. We can't just go and go, oh, that guy's there. We can't even see a, a guy on the side of the freeway and say, oh, he's homeless because he wants to be. He doesn't want help. You know, or because sometimes we do. Well, maybe that guy, you know, there's, there's some homeless people they've brought in, try to help, and they walk back out on the street again. You know what? That's a worldly point of view. We have to start looking at this through God's eyes. As an ambassador for the living God, as an ambassador for Jesus, we got to start looking through Jesus' eyes, and we cannot regard anyone any longer from a worldly point of view. That is a pretty huge statement, but I believe the Spirit of God is saying that to his church this morning. I know God's been breaking my heart in this area. Change the way you think. Change the way you view things. Have a broader perspective. Remember Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways above, as the heavens are above the earth. We cannot be ministers and ambassadors and still think in a worldly point of view. We're gonna have to start seeing through God's eyes, getting godly perspective like the song, open the eyes of my heart so that we can begin to see uh, people not from a worldly standpoint, uh, a worldly point of view, because there's so much at stake. 
Um, and so the next uh, passage I just want to read, and we're going to be finishing up on a few other key points, but this is important. As you and I seek God first, we have to seek his righteousness. What is God saying is right? According to the living God, what is right? How do you and I come alongside? How do we fit in God's plan of choosing and doing right things? Because this is where God will give you the things you need and provide. This is what the passage is saying. Don't worry. Seek me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So when it comes to choices, right choices, wrong choices, you can expect there will be a clash with culture. Expect it. Jesus stood, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and he had all kinds of clashes with culture. Don't expect for everyone in culture to be so happy and pleased with you and still be walking with Jesus in righteousness at the same time. There's a contradiction. The world has a way of doing it, and the kingdom has a way of doing it. We're going to look at the kingdom a little bit more next week, but this is what it says in 1 John 3, 7, and this is a great passage. Dear children, Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. If you do what is right, you are righteous. So the Bible is calling us the righteousness of God, but that's our identity. Now it comes to what we do. Let's walk in it. The Bible says that if you, if he or she does what is right, We are righteousness. That's the third point this morning. That's important. Doing what is right makes you righteous before God. And I'm not talking about the kind of righteousness that Old Testament righteousness where Jesus, you know, already died for our sins and we already stand before God. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the blessability of God. Uh, Walking right before the living God in a way that he says, I put before you uh, life and death, blessings and curses. Choose this path so I can bless you. And if you want to read more, look through Deuteronomy. You're going to see like 50 other scriptures where God goes, look, if you do this, I hope you do, I want you to, I'm going to do all these things for you. I want to do this. But I'm sorry, if you do this, I can't. There's going to be other things over here because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, amen? And he also disciplines those he loves. Guys get that? It doesn't mean everyone gets all the blessings, just move on. It's like, no, walk right. And walk in the blessing. If we go the wrong way, we get a tune-up along the way. God gives you a pop quiz. Have you ever had a pop quiz from the Lord? Yeah, pop and you know you've been quizzed. Um, But God does those. Um, He who does what is right is righteous. Now these next two are important because we're living in times where Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, it seems like in society there's this new individualism where everyone, like it says in the Bible, is doing what is right, seems right in his own eyes. And the Bible talks about in the end times, when Jesus comes back, he's talking about like in the times of Noah, this is what people did. There's this reference to doing what is right in our own eyes. Everyone just picking their own way. Like, hey, if that's good for you, cool. That's good for you. It's all good. High five. It's all good. Everyone picking their own way. The only problem is people are picking their own view of truth. People are picking their own view of what is right. And God doesn't change. And here's where there's a clash in culture. Because you and I don't get to be that ship out at sea with no stars getting blown all over the place. Whatever culture tells me I'm cool with. We don't get to be that. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have the North Star. We've got that principle. We can lock in and know where we're at in correlation to what God has given us. According to the Word and His Spirit, the roadmap and the compass, we know where we're at regarding these things. But in society, there seems to be a crazy drift of individualism. Whatever you think is true, cool, bro, it's cool for you. (laughs) And that's true for you. Here's the thing about truth. Truth can only be truth if it's true for all people in all times and all circumstances. It can't be, by definition, true for you, but not true for me, true for them, but not true last year. And true, the truth is truth because it's true for all people in all times and all circumstances. Truth is irrevocable. Truth is absolute by its very definition when you look at the core of truth. And when you look at right and wrong, it's the same thing. It's not what I think or what I feel. That's irrelevant. It's what God says is good and what is right. Isn't that, you guys get that? It's the only way we can pick what's righteous if we do that. So the fourth point is this, guys. Wrong is wrong even if everyone's doing it. Even if everyone's doing it. 
Everyone in this city tomorrow decides we're doing this. Do you as a Christian start walking sideways like a crab and start going this? Well, because, you know, I mean, you know, it's kind of what everyone's doing. No, you have true north. You've got the map and the compass. You are the righteousness of God. You're an ambassador for him, representing. God's making his appeal through you. We can't just go along with the drift. God's making his appeal through you and I. Wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. That's the thing. We can't look at culture and society and go, that's ah, cool. It's just kind of where we're at these days. That's the drift. The Bible calls you the church. The Greek name is the ecclesia. It means the called out ones. You and I are the called out ones. Since we are the called out ones, we just don't roll with the drift. Does that make sense? We are not the drift. We are the called out ones. We aren't necessarily the culture. We are the counterculture. We're in the world, but not of the world. Does that make sense? Jesus said this over and over again, and it's important to understand our identity. Otherwise, we just kind of go off with the whole drift. But wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And that's the fourth point. The fifth point is, is on the same lines. Right is right, even if nobody's doing it. Right is right, even if no one is doing it. If you're the only one to take a stand for Jesus on your job or on your block, we salute you. Way to go, ambassador. <laughs> Way to go, God making his appeal through you. That is beautiful. That is powerful. You are the righteousness of God. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And right is right, even if nobody's doing it. I say that because we're living in times where we're seeing change. And we're seeing change at an alarming pace. And we're seeing a change in Western civilization that we have not seen before. And it's happening, there is a drift going on. And if you don't have your footing and know who you are, you and I will get caught off in that whole drift. I, I, this whole church is getting caught off in a drift where culture is affecting the people of God instead of the people of God affecting culture. Does that make sense, guys? We are called to make the appeal as the righteousness of God. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone's doing it. Right is right, even if no one is doing it. Now, this is a powerful passage, 1 John 3.10. We're talking righteousness here walking, making the right choices, the right path. And there's a clash in our culture. There's people with totally different views, totally different mindsets. 1 John 3.10 says this, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love his brother and sister. He's tying Loving others and doing right are the children of God. There are plenty of people who do what they think is right, but God doesn't say it's right. Does that make sense? The ones who do what God says is right, the passage is saying are God's children. The ones who are doing what's right in their own eyes, the Bible says the way ends in death. There's a lot of people going, hey, it seems right to me, whatever. I'm not, I don't need to check in with anybody. I'm just going to wing it over here. And they go this way, that road ends in death. The passage is saying, the ones who choose to seek God and do what's right are children of God. The ones who don't are not. And here's what's crazy about this. It's calling them children of the devil. The devil is the anti-Christ. He is opposed to the mission of Jesus. He's opposed to Jesus. He's opposed to Jesus' church very clearly. When there's an attack against the church, don't think it's philosophy and don't think it's just somebody's just maybe different view. Behind it is anti-Christ because the church is standing for Christ, right? Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The church is Jesus's idea. The church belongs to Jesus. He's the shepherd of the church. And when someone comes against the church, it isn't a philosophy or a view. It is anti-Christ coming against the very structure uh, and, and the people of God, the assembly of God's people. And so we don't always think of what's behind things, but this is saying if we're not doing what's right in God's eyes and we don't care to or even want to discover and walk it out, then we're children of the devil. And that's a pretty broad statement, but that's a, a heavenly perspective. And so the sixth point is this, and I believe this applies so clearly in our time right now, guys, so clearly in our time. We are living in a time when people don't know whose child they are. We're living in a time when people don't know whose child, they never even, even thought about it. I just do what I think is right. What's up with that? Is it God's righteousness? Are we, 
no, I don't need to check with that. I'm just doing what's right. Now, if we do what's right in God's eyes, we're children of God, if we're not checking in and don't care to, we've said thank you, but no thank you, and we're walking off on our own tangent. And there are so many people, we're living in times who don't even know whose child uh, they are. I, I comes to mind recently, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Planned Parenthood videos. Any of you guys see those? Planned Parenthood is going viral, right? So there's this lady, uh, she's a doctor, and she's running this whole region of Planned Parenthoods, and um, she's uh, negotiating at the table, eating food and, uh, at a restaurant, and saying, well, this is what we would pay for this part, and this is what we'll do for you, this part. And they're just sitting like casual. If you ask that lady, ma'am, do you think you're a child of the devil? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. Just doing what I think is right in my own eyes. There are so many people who don't even think, but they also don't check in with God, that don't think that doing what's right in their own eyes qualifies them for this. But there are many people living in these times, guys, who don't know whose child they are. They don't know. They don't check in. They can't say, I am putting God first. I am second. I know whose I am. To as many that would receive him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, to as many that received him. It's free adoption. Bam. Through a decision. It's a radical you know, paradox. How in the spirit, God says, if you turn and follow me, I take away all your sins. I put my spirit in you. You get adopted on day one right away. And just boom, you get, you get, into, you get to be heirs with Christ. It's a radical you know, truth. But we're living in times where some people are so removed, they don't even know whose child they are. They never even thought about it. And the devil even using people in ways, they're like, what? They don't even know. They couldn't even answer that question because they're so removed in their conscience from what the Spirit of God would want them to know that they, they're just flying solo and they think they're good and they're so far removed. Um, 1 Peter 3.13 says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Uh, this pa- Let me read it again. It says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Um, this is just reminding us. In a culture, and the early church went through stuff too. They were living in some interesting times. Where if you don't go along with culture, if you take a stand for what is right, it's not viewed very highly. It's not... It's not, it's frowned upon. It's, it's like, you guys want to do that thing, but the culture wants to go there. I would remind you, it's the same thing the Roman Empire had a problem with. The Roman Empire did not have a problem with the Christian faith because of Jesus. They allowed many gods. They were okay with multiple gods. They had gods everywhere. They didn't care about Jesus that way. But what they did have a problem is the people of God were choosing right. And they were being the righteousness of God. And because they were being in the righteousness of God, there were some things they said, Rome, I'm sorry, we can't roll like that. We're not going to do what you guys do over there. And Rome's like, well, that's where we have to draw the line. We don't care what God you pick, but don't be separate. Come along with us in the culture. Rome is all about the culture. Today, it's all about the culture. And we have to remember, we're the called out ones. We're the ecclesia, where we get the Spanish word iglesia. Ecclesia, we're the called out ones. We're the people of God where the elect were chosen, not because of anything we did, because we said yes to him and we get in on this radical thing. We're ambassadors. We get to be the righteousness of God. And the last point today on that note is those who seek righteousness may have to suffer for it. There's going to be choices along the way and there's going to be some suffering, but don't equate suffering to not God's will. There's a lot of people when you read the book of Acts who had some suffering in their formation. And they were straight smack in the middle of God's will. And God's blessing, his protection, his vision, uh, his protection. But suffering may, in fact, be part of it. And so don't remove suffering from them. Am I in God's will? Suffering shapes us. Suffering forms us. Suffering, you know, when we go through suffering and trials, there's a perseverance being developed in a character that no other school can develop it other than the school of suffering. And you and I were living in times whereas people are doing what's right in their own eyes and we're seeing a, 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 a split between don't we have any understanding of what's good and moral and right and other people are saying, you're out of your mind, you're narrow-minded. There's no place for that. We're living in those times. Because of that, you can expect there will be backlash for your positions to stand for righteousness. And so um, 
on that note, you know, we're going to close right now in prayer, um, but I just want to share one last thing that King David, who lived his whole life and saw a lot of stuff in his whole life, he saw the hand of God in powerful ways. He also made some big mistakes, but at the end of his life, he's writing these songs in the book of Psalms. And in one of his Psalms, this is one of the lyrics he writes down. It's a testimony of what David said about people who choose to walk right before God. And he's seen people that were kings and he's seen people out taking care of the sheep. He used to be one of them. He's seen every kind of person over his whole life. And here's his one conclusion in Psalm 37, 25. He said, I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He's saying, I've seen it all. I've seen people come, people go. I've seen people go through everything. But the ones who are righteous, the ones who try to walk right before their God, say, God, what do you say is right? I'm gonna do that. He goes, those ones, I have never in my life seen any of those people ever begging for bread or their children. I've never seen them forsaken by God or begging for bread. What he's saying here is that through his whole life, his whole his whole uh, understanding, his whole testimony of, of observing all these different people is the ones who chose to walk in God's right path, always had God's hand of protection and provision in their life. I just go back to that very first verse we started with. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, righteously, live right according to God, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And on that note, I wanna, I wanna close in prayer because I don't want us to have worries robbing us from what God wants us to do or fears or doubts. We don't want to be laboring and spinning over what about this, what about that. We have to know that if we put God first and we choose to live right and we check in with him, he has you covered. He has you covered. I hope you believe that this morning. It's God's word. I'm not making this stuff up. God has you covered. Um, Let's close in prayer. And I just want to ask God to seal some things in our heart and, and do some things inside of us um, Lord, we, just, we come before you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this promise. It's an awesome promise. It's an amazing promise. I just thank you, God, that you're saying that if we put you first, we choose to seek what is righteous. You're right. What you say is righteous. Doing the right things, carrying them out. That if we choose to do that, you got us covered. You got everything handled. There's nothing we need to worry about. We don't need to worry anymore about anything because you'll have his handle. Lord, I want to pray in this room for a holy boldness among your people, God. I want to pray for a boldness, Lord, when we're living in times when it's hard to take a stand, that we would take a stand. When we take a stand for righteousness, we're taking a stand for you. That it doesn't have to be popular in culture. We didn't sign up for a popularity contest when we said yes to you, Jesus. I pray we'd be able to take a position out of love and say it doesn't matter what I think doesn't really matter what you think. I mean, it's cool. We can talk. We got opinions. But at the end of the day, it matters what God says because we're all going to stand before him one day and he's not going to say, hey, so how did you feel about that? What did, what did you think about that? Okay, well, just that's fine then. We need to check in with you, God. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. We know what true north is. We know how to navigate. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. So I pray we be people, even though we're in a culture like LA, an influence capital of the world, and not always sending out a, a good message, God, I pray that we would be the counterculture. I pray that we would be people, Lord, that you would be able to make your appeal through us, that, that you would make your appeal, what you want to say and what you want to do, that we would be your mouthpiece, we'd be your hands, we would love people, we'd minister to people, we'd speak truth and love. We'd speak life where there's death, God. We would be your people and you would make an appeal through us. We are ministers of this gospel of reconciliation. We are ambassadors. I pray, God, that we would leave here today as making that decision, Lord. God, I also just want to pray because anytime we get together, I, I believe this is a question you have for us. Is did we make you first? Did we ever get off the throne? Because life starts there. There's no life outside of you and life doesn't begin until then. Until then, we're only half alive. And so I just want to pray today if there's anyone here this morning who senses the call of God to acknowledge him 
and make him the Lord, which simply means getting off the throne and letting God on it. To begin to turn from our ways, our sins, follow him because he died on the cross for us, paid a price we can never pay. If there's anyone here this morning that is ready to receive God, God's free gift, I just want to ask you with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, just put up your hand. I want to agree with you in prayer this morning. Is anybody ready to make that surrender this morning to say, yes, Jesus, be the king, amen. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning that, that is saying, it's time to get off the throne and make you the king of my universe, God? Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I just want to thank you so much. I just want to thank you, those who said that, that right now, in the spirit, they're stepping down, and in the spirit, you're stepping up because you don't force yourself on anybody. You're a loving God. You're full of grace and mercy. And I just pray, Lord, for those who said that, Lord God, that they begin to discover this beautiful life in the spirit, how you begin to navigate us now and lead and guide and to show us, Lord, right paths. You begin to speak to us with your counsel, with your comfort, because you begin working on the inside on a whole new level. I just thank you for that. Thank you for that. It's beautiful. And Lord, I just pray for the rest of us, Lord. I pray for a holy boldness that we would choose to seek your righteousness. We would choose to do right things, even if everyone else is doing the opposite. We would not cower. We would not back away. We would not shrink back. We would stand with you as an ambassador. And you would, in fact, make your appeal, appeal through us. We would not be obnoxious. We would be loving. We'd be kind. We'd be gracious. We'd be helpful. And yet we still make your appeal. And we wouldn't do it with wise words, Lord, but we would do it in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We love you, God. <laughs> do a new thing. I, I, I feel, Lord, we're, we're, we're going to embark on some things, but we're also going to get to see your power in ways we've never seen before. And we're excited about that. We, we're excited that you have us living in such a time as this. We love you, Lord. We were made for such a time as this. And we thank you for it. Seal these things in our heart. Bless us, Lord, as we seek you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.